listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Good morning. Hey, keep that applause going. I can't get the smile off of my face in celebration of my sister. Can we clap one more time? Yes. <laughs> well, Naya and Pastor Brian, that is my brother-in-law and sister. My name is Kaya Bevilacqua, and uh, I am happy to be with you this morning. And I'm proud of those families that chose to dedicate their kids today. I think of all of the things that we take time to celebrate, right? Like anniversaries, retirements, birthday parties, even like kindergarten graduation. And so I think how appropriate to take time to have time set apart where we're dedicating our kids. Because these moments mark us. And so when things get hard, we can remember, no, I said in front of my family and in front of my church family that I'm going to do it God's way. And so I love that we do that at this church. We make it a point a couple times a year actually to do this. So it's one of my favorite days. Well, since it's Mother's Day, uh, can I just take a second and talk about a really mom thing that's been happening to me this week? Um, my kids, I have four children, and my two youngest are two and three years old, 364 days apart. And so we are doing potty training right now with both of them. And actually, they're pretty independent. Like, they can go on their own, but, you know, right, politics. There's some things that you have to help them work out. So my little Franco, he is three, and he says, Mommy, I have to go potty. And I'm like, well, go. Perfect. Go right ahead. So he, I can hear him, you know, hear him, you know, taking his pants down, doing all that stuff. But then I hear something else. My boys start screaming. Mom, get in the hallway now. There's a flood. And I'm like, oh, bless his heart. Frank must have just like dropped his drawers and just like peed all over my floor. No, he didn't do that. Uh, boy moms, if you know, you know. Uh, one thing that I have to help with is aim, okay? And so when I walk into that hallway, I have water all over not just my floor, but my walls, my rug, my walls. <laughs> my walls, my stool, just everything, okay? And so those are just some of the mom moments. I'm, I'm potty training a two and a three-year-old. And uh, why do you say that? Lord, help us to aim for you today, um, <laughs> in Jesus' name. So <laughs> before we jump into the big question for today, um, I wanted to share something with the moms out there. As I was preparing, I just felt like I want to let you know I understand motherhood. I think sometimes we think other moms just like don't get it. Do they really know what's happening? I get it. One of the story I just told, that's just like a piece of my pie right now. So I get it. I am not a perfect mother. I'm far from it. But I work really hard to be a godly mom. And with that, as I was preparing today, I felt like there's a word that God has given me that has sustained me and helped me in challenging times as a mom, and I wanted to share that with you. Are you ready? <laughs> there are good things in this world that cannot interact with God's best. There are good things that cannot interact with God's best. Several times in my life, I've had to go on blood thinners. I had blood clots in my lungs, and there were several times in my life where I had to go on blood thinners. Well, interesting, there were times where I was not allowed to eat certain food when I was on those blood thinners. In fact, I couldn't eat the really healthy stuff, like my favorite, some of the healthy greens, not part of my diet. I was not allowed to eat them. Why? 
I needed my medicine to work properly right, and I couldn't have my medicine interact with the blood thinner or with the healthy greens, whatever the interaction is, or it would not make the medicine work. And so I say that to say, you guys, the world cannot give you some blank statement, protocol, food pyramid, hey, blank statement, this is how you raise your kids. They can't do it. There are going to be good resources out there for you parents if you're needing help. And so great, look at them, but they cannot be God for you. We are each designed so uniquely by our creator that sometimes good, it's not God's best. I want to read Philippians 2.13 for you. God is working in you. He's giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You don't have to do what every other TikToker, YouTuber, Pinteresty mom's doing. That's all great. But listen, don't get so caught up in what everybody else is doing because what's good for somebody else, it might not mix well with what God's called your family to be. It might make you not well. Even though it's good, it's not God's best. So this verse, I rely on it every day of my life. Lord, you're working in me and through me, giving me the desire and the ability to do your will. There's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of wills. There's a lot of good ideas, but I need God's best. And so whether you're a parent in here, a mom, and maybe you just need this in a different area of your life. This scripture, I put tons of different topics in there, but specifically for the parents today, this is a confession that you can have during the week to really help me, and I'm going to read it for you. Say this, God is working in me and through me, giving me both the desire and the ability to do his will. Amen. Desire and ability. Hey, that's better than what you guys cheer. Desire and ability to do his will. Yes, amen. Thank you. So now for the big question for today in our now trending series, how do I forgive? (laughs) I'm really grateful that my husband has prefaced pretty much every week of this series with, listen, we can't fit everything into one service. I'm not going to be able to tell you everything about forgiveness because every one of these topics could really be an entire series on their own. But my prayer is that today I would say just enough that it would be what you need to hear that it would be something that you could take something that I say today that the Holy Spirit ministers to you and you could dig deeper and go further. So when I say that word forgive, I think it strikes many of us. Uh, I think maybe some of us can even see a person in our mind. We can feel a scenario. Uh, For some of us, the word forgive brings up the most painful part of our life, like the most painful part of our past. Or the word forgive might trigger you right now and you're thinking of like the most disturbing part of your present that you're going through. It is a heavy word that brings a lot of feeling. And so I just want to call out the elephant in the room and let you know that hearing that word forgive, it might be hard for you today, but stick with it. Let's get through this. I really think that there's going to be some freedom and breakthrough on the other end of this. When we hear forgive, I think we intuitively know someone is going along the lines to tell us, well, the Bible says that you have to forgive. And if we're honest, that almost sort of like strikes a chord with us. Like we think to ourselves, God, that's kind of cruel. Like how merciless for you to want me to forgive that person. It feels really like you're choosing the bad guy's side by telling me to forgive. And I think so many of us just tune out the word forgive because of that very reason we're thinking, like, God doesn't get it. And also, for me, sometimes can't we just remember, like, hearing that word forgive growing up? 
No, it's just like a word that's on autopilot. Um, picture a little kid who's like hitting your, a sibling. Actually, let me picture me hitting my siblings. Okay, so I'm the oldest of four, and my tactic was I'd pound your back. I know you can't even imagine this, but I would like sit on top of my sister. I'm the worst. And I'd like hit their back, right? And I'd hold them down until that handprint went away because you're not going to go give mom evidence, right? Like, we're not doing that. So, like, I'll be the good sister and make sure you're okay afterwards. But what ends up happening? They go tell on me, right, or vice versa. Okay, now you go say sorry and ask them to forgive you, right? Haven't we heard that so many times? And so what does it sound like? Okay, Kaya would walk up to JJ. I'm sorry, do you forgive me, right? And it isn't a whine. You guys know because that's how you say it too. I know. We say it whiny and sarcastic, and then we turn our back with nothing really changing, right? Like, my heart hasn't changed towards my sister after I say that. Like, I think she's a brat, and so that's why I pounded her. Like, I had reasons for this, okay? Good reason. And so it doesn't change how I'm feeling. I just said words. That's the problem with the word forgive. We use the word forgive the same way we use the word love. Okay, in our society, we have taken away the power and the supernatural ability of these words because we just use them so interchangeably, just so surface, right? Like we'll say, I love my shoes, I love my dog, I love my coffee, I love my kids, I love my husband, and I love God, right? It's like, ooh, isn't there some sort of differentiation between what words you're using to describe these different levels of love? In the Greek, there is. But in our language, or in English, we're a little bit, I don't want to say dumbed down, right? But we have less words to describe the same thing. And so we shouldn't just throw these words around so aimlessly and not understand the weight that they carry. Because check this, doesn't it sound like our words losing its value? Doesn't that sound like the enemy of your soul wanting to try to take away from you a God-designed tool to heal you from your brokenness? The word forgive, it's a God-designed tool, and he's wanting you to act like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm sorry. Do you forgive me? Right? Oh, gross. So I want to be clear about a few things. What forgiveness does not have to mean, and I think you're going to like some of these. Forgive and forget. When I say the word forgive, I'm not talking about forgive and forget. I'm not talking about validating the other person's actions. I am not diminishing damage done to you. And I'm not saying permission to do it again. Or even every time, forgiveness does not mean reconciliation. And we'll get more into that later. So I just wanted to put that list out there so as we can continue, I don't lose you because you're thinking I'm talking about something that I'm not. So I don't like the world to define much of anything for me. Can I get an amen, right? Like, I don't like the world to really tell me anything anymore. And especially when it comes to issues of my soul. They don't get it, and they don't care, so why would I let them define things for me in my life? And so when it comes to forgive, I have had to turn to the scriptures and turn to Jesus and say, what do you say about this very delicate topic? So like we said, most people can agree, right? We're going to say, Jesus would tell me to forgive, right? Jesus, Jesus would tell me to forgive. We know that's the truth. But sometimes, check this, things are so clear, we see right through them. Sometimes things are so clear, we just see right through them. 
we don't take the time to pay attention to the detail and the intricacy because with our naked eye, we're just, we look right through. It just is cut and dry to us. We don't pay attention to the detail. We don't stop and take time to see everything that we need to know. I think we know Jesus wants us to forgive. That much is clear. But what we have done is we have seen through that command of forgive. We've seen right through it. And we look to the world and we think, you know what? I'm going to look at how the world views this to see whether or not I'm going to sign up for that. Yikes. And once again, if I were the enemy of your soul, I would want to pervert and distort and distract you away from God's best medicine and prescription to your brokenness, keep you away from it. I want you to think about, um, for a minute, about the thousands of ways we avoid dying in a day. Does anybody else think this way? Okay. So, like, I mean it truly. Really think about this. Like, with uh, when we are born, innate within us, we are taught how to interact with the world around us and how to avoid being killed by it. I mean, I just think of crossing the street, driving a vehicle, using heavy machinery, um, a kitchen utensil, and oh gosh, right now I'm just thinking about all the things I have to tell my children to stop doing. Oh my goodness, okay. <laughs> There's so much. There's so many things, right? But yet, we're living a thousand ways to die, and here we all are. We're here. Praise the Lord. Because we can feel our bodies and we can see. But here's what we do. We're so in tune and aware of how our physical bodies interact with the world. And because we can't see our soul, ooh, we've chosen not to count the cost of the decision that we make and how it affects us. And this has cost us greatly. I did some research as how unforgiveness relates to our health, and you wouldn't believe how easy, or maybe you would, how easy it is to find that unforgiveness is related to our health. I looked at several different studies, and whether it was from Harvard research or Johns Hopkins research, there was a consensus. The world found something to agree on. Unforgiveness causes depression, anxiety, heart disease, let me look at what else, um, oh, stress, high blood pressure, and that doesn't even include, like, relationship issues. Oh, my gosh. Unforgiveness causes a lot of trouble in our life. Hebrews 12, 15 says this. Make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. Keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in time. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and I like this part, that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble, and by it, defiling many. So sometimes, maybe like many of you, I have to like reread scripture several times before it like clicks, right? I got to read it, and I'll be like, Lord, confirm it. <laughs> and so, okay, he will, and then I'll meditate it on some more, and I'll have to keep reading it. Uh, this reminds me, I have a person in my life uh, that says things very quietly. Anybody else have a person like that? They don't say, listen, I'm about to tell you something that I need you to remember. They don't say, hey, listen, I'm about to tell you something that would really matter a lot to me. They don't say, hey, I'm going to tell you something that right now it's going to be something followed with I need this from you and it would really help if you follow through. Mm -mm. No, they don't do that. <laughs> this person knows who they are. <laughs> they don't... It might be my husband. <laughs> don't tell him. Just kidding. <laughs> so they speak very quietly. Here's why. They speak 
to people that they love. And you would think, well, if you love me, you're just going to hear what I say and you're going to do it, right? Right? They love me. And so I'm just going to say something and they're going to take it at face value be- because I'm in relationship with them. Oh, I'm not that great at it. I has said things. God has said things, not just quietly, not just over and over and over again, but he's also shown us with his action what to do. There are so many scriptures that just say stuff so casually, just so casually, and we read it and we don't receive it. The book of Hebrews, that scripture that I just read, that is actually written to Christians who are suffering persecution. And so that that was written to uplift them. And wouldn't you say that if they're being persecuted, there'd be a lot they probably need to forgive people for, yeah? Yeah. When I mentioned earlier that we know God would tell us to forgive, but we struggle with that, I want to read from you in Isaiah 520 what his word says. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. God is good. So if he tells us you should forgive and that forgiveness is good, well, by golly, we better believe, ooh, forgiveness is good. And woe to us. Like there is a warning for anyone that would say it's not good. Don't be calling something good evil. Don't do that. We would be attributing a characteristic of God that is not him by doing that. We would be buying into the lie of the enemy that says, oh, God doesn't really know what he's doing. I mean, what does God really know about forgiveness? That kind of reminds me of Adam and Eve in the garden. Yikes. So let's look at the model that Jesus gives us. Uh, For those of you who have attended one of our Good Friday services or who have just read the Bible and taken it at face value, you know how gruesome this scene was. While Jesus is being crucified, he is forgiving us. While. It's one of the first things he models for us is forgiveness. So why, as Christians, why is the world, do we have such a hard time with forgiveness? Easy. The enemy of your soul wants you to think that unforgiveness is like the ultimate revenge on your enemy. Oh, unforgiveness is something you can lord over them. They'll really know how you feel if you say you don't don't forgive them. It really shows where you stand. And we sort of wear that as a badge of like, I don't forgive. Okay, here's the problem. Your enemy could care less about you. It's why they're your enemy. They don't care about your heart. They don't care where where you stand. They're not thinking about you. They don't care. So if they don't care, let's look at somebody who does care about your heart. And while he is being crucified for you, here's what he says in Luke 23, 34. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's that's hard to read. They know not what they do. Mm. Jesus knows that the only way for people to receive forgiveness, true salvation, right, is an eternal life. It's to accept him. And he knows this while he's on the cross dying. And so, so much is being said here when he's asking God to forgive them. Once he died on the cross, it was going to be the same way. They still have to accept Jesus in order to receive their own forgiveness, their own salvation. They were rejecting and torturing their way of salvation. They were rejecting their salvation. And while they rejected him, Jesus is praying for his offenders. 
while they are rejecting him. He prays for his offenders. Yes, it's true. You have heard, bless those who curse you. Jesus shows us how to do it. He's not asking you to do something that he has not done himself. He is praying for his offenders while he is dying to save them and they are crucifying him. Jesus is saying, I don't want these people to go to hell. God, have mercy. Make a way. Send other people. Minister to these people who are rejecting me because I want them to be in paradise with me. Jesus choosing these words is significant. I've been with family members, several, as they're passing away. And their last words, they stick in your mind like forever, right? It's the last words that people say. So now think about Jesus, his dying words, where like literally you can say anything, and Jesus had the strength to, because he laid his life down. He chose to do that. So Jesus has the power to say anything and to go on as long as he wants. And his choice words are, Father, forgive. He knew those words would be remembered. But let's just think in the natural for a second. Even if he wasn't the savior of the world, if, if he wasn't, The people who loved and revered him, they would remember those words, wouldn't they? That would change how they live their life. Who choice words. And, you know, we can choose to look at what Jesus said and say, well, that's Jesus. That's not me. I don't have to do that. Please don't miss it. Can you see that a man who would allow himself to be tortured to death would beg his father while they're doing it to forgive these people? We laughed earlier at my, I'm sorry, do you forgive me? But forgiveness is not just some pathetic, whiny thing. Forgiveness is heavenly. Forgiveness is heavenly. There has never been anyone that has loved you as much, nor will there ever be anyone who loves you more than Jesus. And he models forgiveness while he's dying on the cross for you. So what happens when we repent and ask God for forgiveness? And amazing things happen, or an amazing things happen. Jesus says, we are given eternal life. When, God, when we ask Jesus to be the Lord of our life, when God looks at us, he doesn't even see us. It's why he can't see sins, right? We still have a sinful nature sometimes, but God doesn't see that. He sees Jesus. He sees perfection. It's like he's looking at Jesus. Gosh, I need that. So when we think of forgiveness, we cannot think of the person that has wronged us. We have to do what God does, and we have to, when we are forgiving somebody, we have to look at the person and not see them. We have to see Jesus. We have to think about Jesus. We have to think about what has Jesus done for me? What has Jesus, when I look at that person, I can't see what they did to me. I have to see what Jesus has done for me. We have to magnify Jesus in our forgiveness receiving forgiveness or accepting Christ, that's the key that connects you to God. And gosh, while I was preparing this message, I just wonder what key a forgiveness like Christ would have in unlocking something in your life. Satan's mission is to destroy you and take you to hell, right? And he uses all these tactics to give you hell on earth. So what hell on earth could you avoid if you would obey the commandment of forgiving like Christ? The Bible says in Luke 12, to whom a lot is given, a lot is required. I get it. The idea of forgiving people for some of these awful things that I've done to us, it sounds like a lot. It is. And the Bible says you've been given a lot, so it's okay. Everything has been purchased for us. Jesus bought 
our salvation. He bought our eternity. Our debt has been paid in full. And so we've been given a lot, yeah? yeah? We've been given a lot. So we do have to forgive. We do have to give a lot or so it feels. But in his redemptive power, Jesus gives us his ability to partner with him, to get through it. Jesus says, think of me instead of thinking of them. Let me take that burden upon myself, just like I took that burden on the cross. I want to take this burden for you, this forgiveness. I want to take that. I'll carry it for you. Give it to me. And he becomes responsible. Jesus conveys, transfer the debt that they owe to me. Whatever they owe you, I want you to transfer that to me. Like, you don't have to deal with that person anymore. Let me be the mediator between you and that person, and I'm going to make sure business gets done right now. Whew, yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. And just like we don't understand our own forgiveness. To be honest, sometimes I think, Lord, I don't understand. How could you forgive me of all this? Right? Like, I don't understand at all how God does what he does. I want you to realize you don't have to understand how you're going to forgive. You might be thinking, I'll never feel differently about the person who's offended me. You don't have to understand how. I just promise you that if you do what God says, you will. And you don't have to understand how. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to think about those people who have offended us? It doesn't matter if it's good stuff, bad stuff. We get reminded of them, yeah? Unforgiveness keeps you connected to the very person you want to be connected to the least. Unforgiveness does that in your life. Whew. And I feel like the picture that God wants to show you today, it's like when you don't forgive somebody, it's like putting a Band-Aid on your heart. And it doesn't say Band-Aid on it. It's the name of your offender. And that's what's on your heart. You put a, a Band-Aid on your heart, and it has their name on it. And I got to tell you, Band-Aids get gross. They just get really gross. Uh, my two oldest boys, they are uh, five and seven, and they are scooter obsessed right now. Okay, They are just out there. I can't keep them in the house. They're riding their scooters. Well, they're banging up their legs, let me tell you. Okay, so I go through Band-Aids, just a lot of them. Just the other day, my husband says, you need to order another box. I'm like, perfect. Sam's Cub, here I come. I need more Band-Aids. Well, Band-Aids get really gross, right? Because Band-Aids are meant to be temporary. They're not meant to be something that stays on forever. If we leave them on too long, what actually happens is we're prone to infection and like our wound's not healing correctly. So let me ask you this. Do you really want that person who has offended you to determine the rate of your healing? Is that what you want? I don't. Don't sign me up for that. <laughs> don't sign me up for that. Forgiveness is saying, I don't want to see them. I want to see Jesus. Because we already have issues with our offender, right? We already have issues. And so why would you want to put your healing power in their hands? Uh, is anything that they say going to change what they did? Let me help you. No. <laughs> Mm -mm. Is anything that they say going to change how they made you feel? Hard pass. Do they know how to heal a heart? Definitely no. Mm -mm. Do your friends and family know how to heal a heart? No. So quit giving the banner over your heart, the name of your offender, and acting like something's going to happen there. Nope, it's just going to decay. Psalms 147.3 says this. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Not your friends or family can do that. Only the Savior of your soul is able. Don't put any other banner over your heart but Jesus. Amen? Amen. The world has hijacked 
this principle of forgiveness. I feel like they've watered it down and they've almost made it like a, a victim-like banner, like you're weak if you forgive. The world is wrong. The world is wrong. Forgiveness turns the victim into the victor. We think that the forgiveness is to the benefit of the other person. And in reality, no. Forgiveness is the act of a victorious Christian who is on top. That's who forgives, a victorious Christian who knows that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is on the inside of them. That's a person who forgives. Yes. So here's the thing. Don't let the enemy talk you out of a good thing for you. For you. All right. I told you what forgiveness is not when I'm saying the word forgive. I want to give you an idea of what I am saying. Forgiveness is supernatural to the Christian, right? Like we don't have to understand it. I want you to know that. Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness puts the responsibility in Jesus' hands. Forgiveness helps you see Jesus instead of the person who hurt you. Forgiveness makes Jesus the banner over your heart instead of the person who hurt you. And all of that sounds very good to me. In the book of Matthew, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he's giving them instruction on how to get this gospel message out. And it's really funny. If you read Matthew, he's, there's a lot of very hard things to do in there, just very direct and kind of a tough conversation. Well, one of the things, Matthew 16, 25, says this. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. <laughs> but if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. Kind of is a perplexing thing, huh? If I hold on, I'll lose it, but if I give it up, I'll find it. I love this scripture because it applies to any stronghold in our life, anything that we believe that's counter to what God says. When we don't do what God has asked us to do, when we don't do what we know we're supposed to do, regardless of how we feel, we are holding on to our own in our own life, and we're acting like, you know, God understands, and I'm just going to be the one exception to the rule here. I can be a good God over my life for this part. But we were designed to rely on God. We were designed to rely on him. So some of you have chosen not to forgive, and you're holding on to your own life. The Bible says that you're going to lose out if you do it that way. But if you will, quote, lose it, if you'll lose it for my sake, listen, if you just do some things that might not feel like they're going to work to you, if you just do some things here that you might not understand with your mind, but you just trust me, I promise that's where you're going to find what you're looking for. You're going to find it. And I know that in this room, there are likely a vast variety of, um, or levels, so to speak, of forgiveness that we're dealing with. You know, there might be some of you just having a rotten day because somebody said something that you didn't like and... You still need to forgive them, even though there wasn't really like an ill will there. There's some of us who are um, struggling because we've been through abuse, mistreatment, neglect, really hell on earth. There, there's some of you in here who have been through severe trauma. You know, then there are some people in here, and as I was preparing this message, I felt like we have a lot of people who are in close relationships that you know, you don't really want to rock the bow or cause any issues or bring stuff to the surface, but there's some parents and kids, and I don't care how old or young, there's some husbands and wives that you're dealing with unforgiveness, but you just don't want to bring it up. God wants to heal some areas of your life that you don't even know are connected because he needs you to forgive. Your Jesus is not telling you to forgive because he doesn't care about your pain. No, he understands it greatly. He is not asking you to say an abuse, take abuse, or be mistreated. That's the enemy of your soul. Forgiveness is a heart issue. And so God says, I care about your whole person. 
I care about all of you. So I, it's a heart condition. So I need you to forgive so that way you can be healthy in your body and in your mind. So, okay, Kai, I'm willing to forgive, but where do, I, where do I start with that? I'm glad you asked. Number one, I'll get through these quick. Number one, forgiveness is a choice. You're going to tell the Lord you forgive your offender. And this is tough, but you have to decide to obey Scripture. You're just going to decide. Remember how I told you about that character in my life that just says things very casually? Okay, you've been given instruction. You're just going to have to decide to obey I've tried to give you proof as to why you should so far, but ultimately, the Lord, he wants your heart. He wants your heart. So you're going to tell him that you forgive the person. Now, I want to let you know, uh, forgiveness is not even necessarily being face-to-face with somebody. There might be some of you in this room where it would be inappropriate. It would be unsafe, right, for you to be in the presence of the person who has offended you. So for you, you're not counted out. You don't have to go tell them face-to-face, and I want you to hear that. Forgiveness is not for you to go find that awful person who you might not even have access to, if you can pick up what I'm laying down, right? You can still forgive them. And then there might be some of you in here that you need to forgive people who have passed away. Forgiveness is still for you even though that that person might be gone. Forgiveness is still for you. Then there might be some people in here that someone might have actually come to you and asked you directly to your face to forgive you and you just looked at them with a blank stare. (laughs) Like you just didn't feel like answering them or you shoot them away. You know, you need to ask God how you're supposed to do this, whether it be face-to-face or just in your heart. I'm not saying it's one or the other because... Hear me, there are situations where it wouldn't be right for you to be face-to-face with your offender, and I get it, okay? I I get it. But remember, forgiveness, it's a heart issue. And so you can still do number one, tell the Lord that you forgive them. Number two, we don't have to forget in order to forgive. You know, the Bible says that that God forgives us and he remembers our sin no more. And I feel like often what gets quoted or misquoted is the world tells us, well, forgive and forget. No. It never says that people have to forgive and forget. The Bible says that God has the ability to look at us and not see our sins. But we're people, right? It's, we can practice amnesia, but we, it's really hard to forget things, right? So God's not asked us to forgive and forget. No. Oh, he does something even better, you guys. He says, he teaches us that when we remember what God has done for us, he wants to use it as a testimony, Ooh, that's good. God works all things together for good. It says in Revelation 12, 11, we are saved by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. So I don't know about you, but there's times where I don't want to go over and over again about all the damage done to me. It's like, oh gosh, talking about all the bad that they did to me, it makes me feel worse. I don't want to hash that out. Uh, It makes me feel yucky about myself. It makes me feel yucky about them. And it's just generally not a good thing. And so it's not talking about hashing out, like, let's just talk about those people. No, no, no. Your testimony is when you're at a spot where you can say, let me tell you how God used what the devil meant for bad and used it for glory for him and good for me. That's what a testimony is. And then guess what happens? This encourages others to trust God. It's how your testimony can help other people. Number three, if Jesus now owns the debt, he also holds your hope. Forgiveness is more satisfying than revenge. And I think some of you are like, oh, no, it's not. I don't believe you. I promise it is. In the book of Deuteronomy, God says that vengeance, revenge, it's his. So when a Christian tries to get vengeance or do things on their own, it's out of God's order. It's not going to work. 
And also, it's going to set you up to be hurt twice. Uh, I'm going to be real with you, though. It would be, we think about some of the situations where it's like, oh, it would just feel good for a second, though, wouldn't it? To just like, ooh, there's this country. <laughs> okay, shame the devil, tell the truth. I will. Um, <laughs> there's this country song, and it's like, stop telling lies about me, and I won't tell the truth about you. And it's like, yeah, sometimes I just want to shame the devil, tell the truth, and let everybody know, right? Because I think maybe that would make me feel good. But the truth is, have you ever noticed how there is suffering built into wrongdoing already? Have you ever noticed that? Suffering's built into wrongdoing. I think the world would most likely call it karma, right? We call it you reap what you sow. We know that it's a spiritual law built in from the beginning of time. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 7 through 9, do not be deceived. God's not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. So, I love this part, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. Sin is a package deal that unleashes consequence. Think about for you, we know what it's like when we're doing stuff wrong and it's kind of torture for us and we're going through the ringer. It's the same thing for your enemy. Your enemy's not going to tell you how bad it's going for them, but it's built in. Believe me, they are suffering on their own apart from any revenge that you could bestow upon them. Number four, when you know the truth, it doesn't matter what anyone else says. Whew, do you know how many times a day I got to tell that to my kids? Because my oldest is like very, as a matter of fact, and the other ones are not. <laughs> so I'm like, Aurelia, if you know the truth, it doesn't matter what anyone else says. I think a lot of you in this room today need to hear this. Forgiveness is different than reconciliation. Reconciliation says, hey, we can both come out on top. We'll, we'll be better than ever. We're going to go further than we ever could. Things are going to be great. There is time for reconciliation, and I have experienced both forgiveness on its own, and I've also experienced reconciliation, both godly. I grew up with a family member that uh, I really thought would be part of my life forever, right? I thought our relationship's going to get better with time, and into eternity, it's going to be wonderful. Well, this person ended up doing something that stabbed my family in the back, and it was unexpected, and, and it was so painful, and it was a surprise, and it was like, what is happening? This is a person who I thought would be in my life forever. This is, this is shocking. I knew right away that I had to make a decision to forgive because Jesus would have me do that, right? And so I remember I told God right away, I forgive them, <laughs> but I felt nothing different. It was like that snotty little tone I used with my sisters growing up. I do forgive them, Lord, but honestly, what I found happening, <laughs> what I found happening was valuable time with other people our conversation would be riddled with topic of this. I was having dreams about these people, right? It's connecting me to the people that I, I want to be connected to the least. I'm having dreams. Our talks are riddled. And God continued to give me steps. And I was like, okay, I'm having all these feelings about these people. I don't feel resolved. And God said, I want you to have a meeting with this person. It was really hard. It's like, okay, I haven't seen them in a couple of years. I'll have this meeting. And honestly, I had this coffee with this person, and I was encouraged. It was, okay. it was, it was all right. But there were some things where they were unresolved, and so I felt like, all right, Lord, show me what my next step is. And so my next step was another meeting. And a long story short, over the course of four years, <clears throat> I had a final meeting with this person. And at this meeting, I found myself 
things becoming very clear as to what I wanted my decision to be next. I was really encouraged, thinking maybe we'll solve it and everything's going to be great. But I realized, we're just really not on the same page. And so at that final meeting, I, I felt like a release almost from my heart, and I realized I'm just not meant to do daily life with this person like I had planned on forever. And it's okay. And so what did that look like? I put a boundary up, and this person and I, I if I saw them on the side of the street, I would go say hi. I can honestly, there was a time where I would have said, nope, keep walking, bye-bye. I'm not going to tell you I saw you. No, 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 now I would. I would say hi, because I have forgiveness in my heart, and they're an elder in my life. I would respect them. But I'm not going to do daily life with them. I'm not going to celebrate life with them. They're not going to know intricate details of me. Why? At that meeting, the facts became very clear that there were certain things that I was not allowed to be if I was in relationship with them. So I put that boundary up, and I want you to see something. Have you ever built like a boundary in a garden or something? Right, you're trying a barrier. Boundaries are not meant to control or manipulate people like we've been told, right? Like you're not really a Christian if you put a boundary up. Are you kidding me? No, that is very godly, okay? So we put up boundaries to protect ourselves, not to manipulate or hurt other people. We know us. We have to preserve ourselves in our Christian walk. And so I know me, and after that final meeting, here's what I felt like. We don't want God in everything that we're doing. We don't want you to bring that up all the time. But I'm Kaya, and I don't think it's because I'm just a pastor's wife, or I think it's because I'm a Christian. As a Christian, shouldn't God decide everything about everything in my life? And this person said, you know, Kaya, we just want the beautiful part of you, all the stuff we like. But if you're going to bring in the good, bad, bad, beautiful, and ugly, let's save that for another time. Well, here's the problem. How can I be myself? I can't. So that just showed me, hey, that's fine. We're just not going to be in relationship like that. I'm going to put a boundary up that says we can see each other in passing, but we're not going to be doing life together. So I forgive this person. I forgive, but I have a boundary. My boundary has nothing to do with unforgiveness. When you put a boundary up in your life, don't let anybody, well, you don't forgive. No, no, yes, you do, but you're protecting yourself. You're going to make sure that you're walking out your Christian, your Christian faith, and you're doing what God has asked you to do. It's going to look different for all of us and for each person, okay? So nobody can tell you what that looks like. I know me, and I have to hold my life together. I have to raise my family in a godly way. And anybody that would want to come in and have influence that's not godly, you're not welcome. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so you don't have to get paralyzed in relationship because people are doing stuff you don't like and they're undermining you. No, no, no. You can put up a boundary, and that's good and godly. And then when people don't like your boundary and they don't like the decisions that you're making, I'm going to tell you what I tell my kids. When you know the truth, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. Number five, forgiveness is the supernatural, God-given design to heal our brokenness. Jesus does not diminish your worst day. He empathizes. He can relate to you. It is the devil who wants to diminish your pain. And he does this by diminishing the very thing that is going to bring healing to your life. It might sound silly, but there are some of you in here, you need to warm up a little. You need to warm up. Listen, I love that we're all different personalities. We've got different levels of sweet, okay? But there's some of you in here that are cold. There's some of you that got ice running through your veins, and it's no fun, okay? You can be you, but, like, you have to warm up. You have to warm up. Nobody likes that, okay? Your countenance 
matters. How you are matters. And there are some of you in here, you need to be the ones asking for forgiveness. There's some of you in here that after church, you need to be making the phone call and asking for the door of forgiveness to be opened up. And then there's some of you in here trying to forgive, but you're cold. I want to read some very warm scriptures for you. <laughs> Second Corinthians 2.15. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Colossians 3.12. Put on then is God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Proverbs 15.1. Ooh, everybody needs this one. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, peace patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. Proverbs 16.24, gracious words are honeycomb sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. I could go on, but there is a way to a Christian. Last scripture before we close, Ephesians 4.29. Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Forgiveness is a decision. Jesus dying on the cross is a decision. God deciding to forgive us, it's his choice. Choices today. If you're in here today and the idea of being forgiven or needing to forgive somebody sounds good, but you just, you don't really know about Jesus. Jesus died on a cross for you. He died forgiving you and he wants to reconcile you to God. He wants you to experience heaven on earth. He wants to bless you, but you have to choose today to follow him. In a second, as a church, we're all just going to bow our heads, close our eyes, and we're going to say a prayer all together. Everyone's going to say it so that when no one is singled out. But when I have you bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm going to say one, two, three. And for those of you who are going to say this prayer for the first time, I just want to know who I'm praying for. I'm not going to call you up or call you out, any of that. I just want to see with your hands who I'm praying for. So would you go ahead and bow your heads with me, please? And for those of you who are going to say this prayer for the first time, on the count of three, one, two, three, would you just put your hands up in the air for me? Great. Awesome. Thank you so much. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Would you repeat after me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sins so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Put your spirit in me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for saving me. And thank you for making all things new. 
Amen. Would you go ahead and celebrate with me those that accepted Christ today? Amen. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. 